0: as it comes to us from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 20. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. People do not light a lamp and put it under the bushel basket, rather they put it on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. It should be no surprise to you that with a last name like Carbone, uh, pasta was something uh, that I was accustomed to eating growing up. One of my biggest pet peeves, though, nowadays when I do cook and watch others cook, is that when they cook pasta at home, people don't put enough salt in the water when you make your pasta. Pasta has very little flavor, so a pinch isn't going to do it. But now, now, hold on, I understand that not everyone, you know, high sodium is not great for everyone. I understand that, and so accommodations can be made. But for the rest of us, you need to get that right level of flavor pasta requires, and it comes from salt. Salt is essential, not just to good food, but it is essential to life. And as we hear in our reading for today, it is essential to faith. And Jesus expands on this through metaphors throughout the Sermon on the Mount, as we heard last week in the Beatitudes. In our meditation for today, we hear questions Jesus poses about salt, about faith, about life. Jesus asks us, what does it mean for salt to be flavorless? Can it be flavorless? Is salt only good for flavoring? And how can we be a shining city on a hill? These are things that become the groundwork, the framework of a challenging conviction, which asks if we are willing to let the commands of God lead us to a new life, a new community founded on God's love. One of the most interesting questions Jesus poses in this reading on the Sermon on the Mounts is this question of salt. Can salt lose its flavor? You might not know this, but salt, sodium chloride, NACL, for you chemistry fans out there, is one of the more chemically stable compounds out there, unless you alter it with, I'm going to say unnatural means, but what I mean is if you chemically alter salt itself. I mean, if you just sort of think about it, even when you go to the ocean or if you cook something with salty water, and if you let it boil down, the salt is what's left there. You can't wash saltiness out of salt. So what does Jesus talk about? What does Jesus mean when he says salt loses its flavor? How can something so anatomically stable lose what makes it what we know it as? Salt might not lose its saltiness, but it can lose its flavor if it's diluted. While a relatively cheap commodity today, I mean, I could go down the Red Mill Market and pick up a relatively good-sized container of salt for not that much money, salt back in the ancient world was something almost worth its weight in gold. It, it was really essential And as a result, unscrupulous merchants would try to cut salt with other cheaper materials like gypsum, which is this kind of mineral that when you crush it up and break it down, it it looks almost like salt. It's sort of white and, you know, (laughs) but it doesn't taste like salt, that's for sure. But these merchants would cut salt with more inexpensive things. Cutting the salt with cheap alternatives meant that the merchants could try and sell more for less, but this counterfeit, this fake salt, was worthless. It had lost what made it so valuable to begin with. So all it was really good for was to be tossed out, to be trampled on. Part of what we hear Jesus asking about today in our reading when Jesus talks about this question of salt and its flavor Jesus is asking us in some way, what, perhaps if, if we find our faith isn't as salty, as flavorful, as life-giving as it could be, what have we been coming in? What have we been mixing in with our faith to make it more diluted, to make it something that isn't what it could be or should be? What have we been trying to substitute in with our faith to make it less than an ideal substance? Who are we trying to shortchange by weakening the flavor that our faith brings to our lives? Now, of course, we hear Jesus talk about flavor. We hear Jesus talk about salt and its taste. But salt also possessed many other properties, one of them being being an essential part of fertilizer, A good case can be made for an alternative translation of Matthew 5, 13, where we might say, you are the salt of the soil. Not only does salt make food taste good, but it helps grow good food. It helps grow good food we set on our tables. You can see how if we're using salt, if we're using a faith that is undercut by other things, Not only would it fail to add that seasoning to our lives, but it would fail to produce fruit. Fail to produce fruit. That is a critical outward sign of a life of faith. What good is fertilizer that cannot encourage life to grow? I can't think of many other uses for one. as we think about Saul as this acting in this capacity to help grow our faith, it would have been interesting if Jesus instead said, you are the manure of the earth. But I don't think Jesus would have won any literary prizes for that. But it is an opportunity for us nonetheless to set aside the poetics and to dive deep into what Jesus is asking of us. There is an opportunity to assess whether our faith is tapping into the source of what gives life, the heart of God. The fruit our faith produces is influenced by what helped it grow. The taste of the fruit and its nourishment is also impacted by what we put into it. There's this system, there's a cycle of seasoning and cooking and growing that all plays into one another, Similarly, Jesus is trying to point out to us that our faith has these interconnected pieces that will inevitably rely on each other. What we put in is what we get out. The quality that we are willing to invest in our faith is going to reflect on what we get out. Till the earth with rich nutrients, till our souls with the richness of God's love, And you will find good fruit that bears witness to something of quality. Talking about food, though, talking about salt and fertilizer, we're talking about also what it means to live in community with one another. We're talking about what makes up a city, a civilization, a community, a faith such as this. And again, Jesus asks... Jesus asks, what good is a city? What good is our faith as individuals and as a community? What good is our discipleship if it does not bear witness? A community, a city on a hill, that's a great location to build a city. But if that community, if that city is not doing anything to bear witness... To shine its light, does nothing because people are silent about their treasures. It does not speak to the glory of God. As we look at this passage, what places in our lives could use some reforming, some purifying, some reseasoning? Are there places where we're hesitant? Hesitant to live a life of faith? that runs against the grain of our society? Is there a disbelief that something life-altering could come from becoming a part of a community of faith? What makes it, what makes it that someone or even a city would think it's a good idea to set up a lamp or a light and uncover it? As we ask ourselves these questions about what does it mean for us to not just cultivate a faith that adds a richness, that adds a new layer of life to our faith, as we ask questions about what does it look like to cultivate a faith that enables us to grow and to empower the community to which we belong, as we ask these questions, we are reminded that there is good news that this evaluation process of growth and faith in our community, none of it starts from square one. Almost as I've said to our session and to our mission committee, a lot of what we do doesn't have to start from square one. There's a foundation already in place. The faith of our ancestors, the faith of the prophets, who showed us how we could live and follow in the footsteps of our living God. Now, I admit, I believe I said before, that I am someone who, if uh, I make a mistake while writing something or something just isn't flowing the way I want it to, I, ha- I have the very real tendency to just scrap everything and start all over again. I don't know about how you work, but that, that's just me. But sometimes we believe, though, that if we're going to start over fresh, we need to just wipe the entire slate clean. But that isn't always true as we hear in our reading for today. There is a rich foundation, a rich history of faith that has come before us. Our journey of life and faith, our pursuits of being people of light and salt, has hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of stories and testimonies that offer us inspiration and guidance and hope. We certainly need to understand that Jesus came not to abolish that foundation. It would do a great disservice to those voices, those people of faith who have come before us. Jesus came, though, to expand on it, to continue the work. There's no call for a wholesale innovation that does away with the foundations of our faith, but instead a call to see where the new things are breaking through. And in that listening, in that process of trying to call and to see where these new things are, we are reminded that we are salt. We are salt that adds flavor and goodness to the earth. And if we let our light shine, it will radiate in a way where people cannot help but taste and see the goodness of the Lord, as the psalmist writes. By tending our hearts, by growing deeper in our relationship with God, we will find that when we season our souls with the word, it will reflect the love and life that flows forth from God. And this is an ongoing journey. It's an ongoing process. One, certainly, where we will not always hit the mark, but we are always given the opportunity to continue trying. Jesus says that you, you friends, are the salts of the earth. And Christ has come. Christ has lit that beacon as well for us that shines a light for us to share. So let us strive to be disciples who keep that light shining forth wherever we go. And may we strive to be people who are not afraid to add the flavor that our faith brings